It's funny. It's funny when I, whenever I say the word car park, people look at me. If that's the first thing they hear me say, they go, "You're from Boston." I'm like, mm, yeah, "No, a bit south of Boston." We should start. <laughs> oh, we've started, friend. You know how I do. We've started like two minutes ago. I see you're in our, our topics page here, Chris. So, <laughs> oh, my cover's blown. I gotta yeah. go, guys. We're, the, we're in the uh, uh, Darren. You're originally from Victoria. Right. Yeah, yeah, about four hours north of Melbourne. I grew up in the bush on a farm. Uh, nearest town to the farm was population eleven, so uh, it was out there in the bush. Is that uh, so quiet? Is grew that up mer- playing uh, playing cricket? And that's for anyone who doesn't know cricket. That's the sport they play in heaven. So you you really need to learn about <laughs> cricket before you die. Otherwise, you're going to be very very bored when you get to heaven. Was that was that Myrtleford? Myrtleford. Wow. Yeah, you you have been doing some research. This is getting spooky. <laughs> Oh, just wait. I'm telling you, by by like halfway through the episode, you're you're going to be wondering if he works for the FBI. I promise. I, yeah, I, I did. I, I didn't have as much time as I as I normally do. But just, just backtracking a little bit, just so I can get this on the uh, on the call. The yeah. little tiny town that was near our farm is called Gapstead. G A P S T E D. And uh, any any chance I can get to put that little place on the map and get it famous, I'm going to say that say the word. It was a it was a uh, gold mining. Um, this was the area where the the next big gold rush to your American, uh, whatever that was, seventeen. Uh, no, when when was your American gold rush? I mean, I'm gonna say 49er, 14, yeah, 19, okay. 1849 or seventeen forty nine. So the next big gold rush was forty nine. Yeah, yeah, northeast Victoria and uh, and Gapstead was a a little mining town. Okay. Um, well, not so not so little. It was there was like about twelve pubs and uh, and hotels. So I'm sure it was a pretty bawdy place. Oh, wow. um, but uh, it's just it's just a tiny little hamlet now. There's uh, a um, there's a there's actually a Gapstead Wines. Yes, that's near, right. Yeah, just down the road from our farm. Yeah. So located near Myrtleford. This is in this is a spooky amount of research. Victoria's high country. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, okay. So uh, um, okay. So let's let, we'll segue with another fun fact. And Chris, why don't you take it away? It's the the first one. We'll segue into actually like why the heck we're here. So Darren. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. We appreciate you. Um, wh- uh, why don't you introduce yourself just real briefly? Give us like a like a five second, 20 word intro. Uh, g'day. Uh, Darren Search is my name, originally from Australia, uh, now in the US. Uh, have been in the mainframe industry for 30 years and uh, COO of an IBM partner called Interskill Learning. Uh, we deliver the most Z training of anyone in the world, about 700,000 hours of Z training in the last 12 months. Uh, so uh, widely used for training and, and looking forward to chatting about training and digital credentialing and so forth to these two fine gentlemen today. Fun fact, and I quote, in 2020, Interskill delivered over 700,000 hours of IBM Z mainframe workforce training globally. That's Pretty true. St- stunning stuff, isn't it? You know, I mean, you guys are just absolutely blowing it out of the water um in terms of what you're doing um and specifically for ibm z mainframe um around the world but um that's it's just i i'm really interested to talk about what you guys do so ceo of interskill learning um where were you before that that's a i was one of the founders of the company um if you to throw a little bit of uh of interest I was originally a hydrographer, which is a water resources scientist. That's where Whoa. So, so I used to manage the rivers and lakes and uh, artesian water, which is underground water in Australia. Well, in, in northeast Victoria, um, water is very important, obviously, with Australia being such a dry continent. And uh, that was that was my amazing career that I was going to do for the rest of my life. And then I uh, I decided to go on a trip to England my first ever time on an aeroplane, I was a country boy. And so my first ever time on an aeroplane, I flew to England where my dad's from uh, to see where he came from just after World War II when he emigrated to Australia. And so I got to England one night in a pub with these three mad New Zealanders who had just bought a Volkswagen uh, bus, a Volkswagen combi van, and we're heading off around Europe. Um, so this is in the 80s. So I faxed a resignation letter back to Australia and travelled for about three years just bumming around the world. Um, and always thought I would uh, end up going back to hydrographic but again um, I was at the Oktoberfest in Munich in 
in 88 with a bunch of mainframe programmers from Germany and South Africa and the US and England and so forth. And they told me about the mainframe and programming and what a good career it was. So uh, when I got back to Australia, I went and uh, learned how to program COBOL and Kicks and, uh, and was uh, starting as a COBOL programmer and uh, was recruited by a company that was uh, starting to do this newfangled thing called computer-based training. <laughs> this is in 1990. This is before the internet, uh, before anything like that. And uh, so I started there and then that's what eventually became Indiskill. It's 30 years later, we are where we are. So it's been a, been a long road. So um, who would have thought I would end up in mainframe computing? But, uh, you know, it's been a, just a fantastic journey. What a great industry to be involved in. I'm sure um, you've met a ton of people. Let me ask you this. Of all the folks that you've met and all the folks that you've talked to, um, can you can you remember anybody that stuck out for what they did before they got into mainframe? That is that is a lot of people to think back through. Uh, <laughs> I, I was always um, I was always fascinated and and impressed by the the early mainframers being. You know, I think that in the sixties and the seventies, I think the general public thought that the, the first mainframers were, uh, you know, rocket scientists or, uh, or these, uh, um, you know, super smart engineers and, and you had to have a, a, encyclopedic knowledge of math and, and all of this sort of stuff. I found that the, the first mainframers were more likely to be the type of person who has an old car in their garage and breaks down the engine and puts it back together you know what i mean the yeah. early mainframers were the were the tinkerers they made things work uh and and funnily enough that um that uh hidden figures movie that came out a year or so ago uh, mm-hmm. the lady whose name escapes me to love that movie the lady whose name escapes me who was uh, one of the computers that uh that taught herself um pascal i think it was um, or, or whatever the programming language was, and was just sneaking into the uh, into the computer room and getting that thing to work because her dad was a mechanic and because she was good with car engines. That, that really made me smile because that's that's what I uh, what I always found. These these are the people that just uh, were smart and wanted to make things work. They were good with hardware and software, and they thought logically. They didn't have to particularly be mathematical professors. Um, they were just uh, make these mainframes work and, and make them work properly. And, and interestingly enough, the way that ties into education, these are the people that are retiring or have just retired. So <laughs> these people with all that knowledge, with decades and decades of knowledge and experience and wisdom are the ones that are leaving. So, uh, so education is probably more important now than ever in the mainframe space. Now, we had half a dozen courses when we started, these CBT courses, and I, and I used to have a, a briefcase full of uh, the old floppy disks uh, and, and would oh, install yeah. one after another um, on, uh, you know, on PS2, IBM PS2 uh, PCs in a, in a training room because there wasn't any internet then. Um, but, but you'd go to these managers who'd done classroom training from IBM since the, the day they started in the industry and tried to talk to them about computer-based training as simple as it was then. And they'd look at you like you were, you know, presenting some three-eyed fish from the pond at Chernobyl. You know, it was it was a little, little bit of a recoil as to what the heck is this stuff, and and why do you expect me to use it for training? But uh, and again, in thirty years, it's come a long way. I mean, the the generation of people that are on the mainframe now, e-learning is just a normal part of learning. They've done it since they were at school. You know, so it, it's it's widely accepted now. Oh yeah, computer-based training isn't just about almost every industry at this point. I mean, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's come super far from, from where, from where it's, it's been. I mean, um, just some of the stuff that Interskill is doing, I've been able to check out and it is incredible. It's, it's, it's really awesome. Um, how, let me ask you this, have you, uh, what's the uptick in participation, completion, enrollment, um, say look like, say since like 2000, 10 2015 or so you've seen have you seen a big uptake in that sort of time frame due to that that skill gap and those those that that tribal knowledge sort of going away yeah well well very well put yeah there's been a been a real constant uh, upswing um but there's there's been two two events one one was the uh introduction by ibm of the digital credentialing the ibm badge program which was just a uh 
what's what's the word a, a watershed moment <clears throat> excuse me uh, yep it, it, it really increased massively exponentially more usage uh with that and then of course the second event that's really really uh changed it is last year the the pandemic and people working from home um classroom courses just couldn't be done um, right you know there's been zoom calls and and things like that but it's taken the the classroom industry a while to really figure out a way to do it um whereas the the e-learning is on demand and available um so the the increase last year was just massive and and you know even away from what interschool does as far as i'm concerned e-learning you know saved the world last year uh, with with uh, teachers in K through 12, being able to pull in resources and uh, and teach their kids from home. I, you know, kudos to hats off to all of the teachers out there. Holy cow! Uh, and and um, your wife included. What they pulled off last year, how they kept teaching these kids from home with no warning of any of the stuff coming up, um, was just uh, remarkable. I've got three kids, and and what I saw the teachers do, and the amount of effort they put in was incredible. Um, but but on a corporate level as well, you know, people were working from home and so forth, and there was there was hardly a, an interruption in their training, or they didn't need to be. Um, and in most cases, I think people probably did a whole lot more training last year because they had that extra time. They were working from home, they got their work finished without having to commute and all that sort of stuff. Um, so many studies showing that people working from home are, in in many cases, obviously depending on their personalities, but in many cases, way more way more productive. Um, and an enormous amount more training was done. Um, and again, because of the IBM badge program, um, we, we found uh, people, instead of just tinkering away at a course, they, they actually uh, sat down and said, I want to earn this badge, and then went through you know, 1, 2, 10, 20, 30 hours of structured training to, to earn the, the credential um, and did some good structured training through the years. So um, the, the badge programming and e-learning really uh, gave the the industry a boost last year i think there's a there's a lot of positives to come from such a horrible year yeah and, and it's incredible right that the silver lining there because that you know as we've uh, we've discussed and everybody discusses at one point or another about just how how awful this situation has been for so many people it really forced us all to think differently right it forced us all to to really slow down and you know gave us a little bit of time back those of us who have been lucky enough to be able to continue to be employed and you know continue our our journey of learning and things like that um so in in and and on that on the badges um so it looks like from from our research that around 2017 ish um that's when IBM recognized officially and offered or created 30 new IBM Z mainframe badges specifically for interskill. Yeah, they're, they're badges for um, for completing interskill courses. I, IBM's got thousands of different badges. Um, they have badges for, I suppose, a bit of background. Uh, IBM's got five organizations that are called GTPs, Global Training Partners, um, the Global Knowledge and Arrow and Ingram Micro. And I'm trying to think LearnQuest and, and one other, my apologies. Um, and they do predominantly classroom, although that changed last year, obviously, as we discussed, but they were predominantly classroom leading up to that. And uh, you would earn an IBM credential for going to a class, however many days, whatever it was. Um, IBM has badges for, as, as you two gentlemen, I'm sure know, you know, for everything from um, issuing patent, from earning a patent to uh, finishing a project to, uh, you know, I've earned IBM badges for speaking at conferences, IBM conferences, um, all sorts of projects and awards and things. So there are thousands and thousands of badges. Uh, but as far as the, and a bit of useful information, I was um, chatting to Jim Daniels from the IBM badge program just this morning. Um, they IBM issued 1.5 million badges last year. So in 2020 alone, one wow. IBM badges were issued for all of these massive array of uh, achievements and co- course completions and participations. Some of them in in different things. Um, uh, so so it's widely used um, as as recognition and and uh, incentive and so forth. 
Um, as far as InterSchool goes, we are a core, you know, mainframe is all we do. We're, we're a mainframe training company. We've got some other uh, IBM systems training, but predominantly mainframe IBM Z. And uh, there are 60 badges currently for um, that can be earned um, by uh, people in the industry for completing InterSchool courses. So we're, we're a small part of it, but I think um, we were involved in it really early on before it was anywhere near this big Um and uh, and we wrapped our whole company around it because we could really see the way that that uh, credentialing like this drives training, gets people interested in doing it. Um, you know, one little anecdote as a, a gentleman who works for CSX, which is the train company. Um, he, I knew him pretty well over a number of years, and he popped into one of the IBM conferences. I think it was a share or one of the Z Tech U's, um, and came by our booth there and said, hey, I, I did uh, four, I've earned four badges this year. And I said, that's incredible. He told me which badges. And I said, okay, that's about 30 hours of training. That's that's really well done. And uh, just as he was about to leave the booth, I said, would you have done that much training? Just on a personal note, would you have done that much training if it wasn't for the badges? And he laughed. He said, I wouldn't have done any training this year if it wasn't for the badges. The reason I did all that training was because of the badges. I wanted to earn those things. So it, it gives you an idea, you know, on, on in over millions of other stories, obviously 1.5 million badges in, um, it pushes people to do training that otherwise they may not find the time for. You know what human nature is like. You know, you start off the year thinking, okay, I'm definitely going to do some training this year. And by the time it gets to late December, you think, okay, next year I'm really going to do some training. Um, so work tends to get in the way, but, but uh, the the earning of credentials um, really does does drive that. And uh, sorry, I'm diving off into the weeds here, but uh, it, it really has made a made a massive difference. Are you seeing the completions and like requests for badges um, more of the latter than the former? But are you seeing those requests and those completions um, becoming like just just sort of ramping up? Um, and where do you see them going in the next like five years? Yeah, but. Um, all age groups, which is brilliant. I mean, I, I sometimes joke that it's like Pokemon Go. You know, you, you've got to, got to get them all. Um, <laughs> got to get them all. It's, it's gamification, I suppose. But it's, it's um, you know, when, when people speaking from a mainframe organization's point of view, when, when people in your workforce uh, see their colleagues uh, promoting badges on, putting badges on their LinkedIn profile, or they see them in the signature block of their emails, it's it's a tremendous incentive. They think, oh, geez, I'd better earn some of those badges too. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's it's not just youngsters that are that are pushing to earn these badges. Youngsters are earning them because they're hungry and they're charging into their careers or they're uh, trying to make themselves more employable and so forth. But even you know middle career and and late career people are still earning badges and trying to earn more prestigious badges. I mean, everybody likes to be recognised for what they're good at, um, and if you're you know how are you going to tell somebody what you're good at or let your colleagues and, and peers and your company know what you're good at um, short of standing there and telling people how good you are? That's not, not usually a good social uh, habit. But, <laughs> uh, um, but having badges, you know, earning badges in, in your areas of expertise are, are um, again, on, on LinkedIn, you can put uh, down what your areas of expertise are and you can get your friends to click on them and say, yep, yep, that person's really good at that. But, you know, what, what does that really say? But if you've got a credential from IBM, this is a, an IBM approved, accredited, backed, recognized uh, um, recognition that, that you are good at this thing because you've completed this. The badges are not just graphics. They're, uh, they have metadata all through them. Uh, anyone who wants to click on that badge can go and see exactly what you learned and when you learned it. Um, all all of the stuff that was uh, included in in whatever achievement you did or cl- uh, course that you passed or or anything like that. So it's it's really uh, in depth information. Um, it's something that people at every level of their career are, are really jumping onto just to, just to uh, let the world know. You know, I, I'm I'm good at this. This is my area of expertise. This is this is who I am. And uh, um, I suppose areas of passion, as passionate areas, uh, as well as uh, just educational things. Again, the badges aren't just for courses; they're for all sorts of achievements. 
um, going back to that IBM champion thing you mentioned before and, and the IBM champion program that IBM does is, is, you know, hats off to IBM. It's a fantastic program. It's for non IBMers. Uh, so it's people who contribute to the industry, the IBM, uh, in the IBM sphere. Um, so a person can be, it's only for one year and a person needs to be nominated. And during that year, they need to do a lot of, uh, um, helping out the industry and, uh, representing, uh, how IBM products fit into the industry and, and, uh, um, uh, just, just general, uh, work in that sphere and effort in that sphere and promotion in that sphere. Uh, and, um, so it, it shows a thought leader and, and, uh, some sort of a, a leader in the IBM space. Um, so, uh, you know, I get a badge, sorry, back on track. I get a badge for that, uh, for, uh, for being an IBM champion. And, you know, I could say to people, Hey, I'm, I'm really good at, um, in the industry and I have a lot of impact. You know, I, I, uh, volunteer a lot of my time and I work with colleges and, and, uh, you know, Interskill donates a lot of courseware to universities to help them build up that next generation of mainframers, make it, easy for universities to do it, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But again, it's all just hot air coming out of my mouth. But the the uh, that IBM champion credential, that badge, just gives it that seal of approval. It, it gives it that uh, uh, that kudos, that that um, visibility that makes a difference. So so badges are, are that seal of approval, I suppose, the same as anybody getting a, a, a degree or, or a diploma from a, an education body. I mean, it's uh, it, except that badges are a whole lot more in depth. They're not just a piece of paper. The, the metadata behind it means you can really find out a lot about it. Yeah, a specific measurable path that shows the amount of time you've put in and yep. on what, right? Yeah, and badges are going uh, going a long way. Uh, I, I mentioned this to you the other day when I was chatting with you. Um, digital credentials as I said, can be for achievements and, and uh, all sorts of other things as well as courses. Um, IBM's really stepping up. And, and even in the early years of IBM getting into the badge program, they won, I think, three or four globally recognized awards from the education industry for this IBM digital badge program. So this IBM's not messing around. This is, this is an award-winning program and it's internationally recognized um, uh, David Lisa and, and Jim Daniels and the team at the IBM Badge Program, they, they've just done a phenomenal job and they're really cutting edge. Um, and they're starting to do uh, things now called connected credentials. Some people call them stacked badges, but connected credentials. So they're, they're more of a learning path rather than just passing a course and getting a badge. Um, they'll piece together a learning path. So you may end up earning five to 10 to 15 badges over the course of, you know, three months to six months to a year's worth of training and you get a certificate at the end of it. So it's, I suppose, almost analogous to uh, to getting a, a diploma or a degree from university. You do class after class after class and then eventually you get that uh, that final qualification. So uh, IBM are starting to uh, to group these badges, um, connect the credentials into into learning paths to give, uh, again, more um, more impressive or, or more valuable or... or uh, um, uh, you know, certificates that are, uh, that are showing a, a massive body of work and, and, uh, um, capability in a, in a whole job role really, or in a whole area rather than just completing a course on a particular topic. So it's becoming more and more sophisticated, um, and tying in with so many more things. It's, it's really, as you can tell, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the e-learning business, but, uh, but digital credentialing is really a, a passion of mine now. I, I see it changing the world you know things like the khan academy offering free training online there's there's so much e-learning out there that uh that people in countries that couldn't get education before it really is life-changing right, right? Well, it's it's changing the whole world it's it's equalizing the it's the, the access to education and then i'm going again way out into the weeds here but but i'm incredibly passionate about what what e-learning and digital credentialing can do for for parts of the world that just never really had a chance you know um mm -hmm. They can really lift themselves. Countries can lift themselves. Industries can lift themselves. Um, I, I'm sounding like a zealot here, but but it's uh, the, the, an evangelist. Oh my goodness! But it, the the potential of it is is just massive. And and a lot of people again, like um, the um, Khan Academy. I think Sal Khan is his name. 
um, they get it, you know, and they're really making a difference in the world with with this. Um, so, uh, so I'm I'm super excited to be part of this, and and I love the way that it really is changing the mainframe industry as well, you know, because mm-hmm. there, there was concern uh, you know, ten years ago that senior mainframers, as mentioned before, would be retiring, and uh, and you know, would there be that next generation? Well, I, IBM have moved heaven and earth, and and things like the master the mainframe competition that we were talking about before, um, um, Meredith Stoll and all of her team. Um, um, Misty Decker and uh, um, Jeff Bisty and the, and the people that re- rewrote the uh, Master of the Mainframe competition for this year. Um, IBM's just put out an, an enormous amount of uh, interesting training, sexy, exciting <laughs> stuff for youngsters, for high school kids and college kids to look at this and say, wow, the mainframe's the core of everything. You know, it's the, the heart and soul of the IT industry. It's what all these big companies use. And and look at this. It's not this monolithic old green screen thing anymore. I can I can work on this mainframe with a GUI interface, coding the same sort of languages I would be coding on in on you know in any other environment, um, and connecting to the mainframe with uh, you know Zoe and Unix system services and so forth. Um, and and this can be part of my career. So so IBM's done a terrific job sort of capturing hearts and minds of of uh, the next generation um, to to bring a really large number of people into the workforce so so some companies are saying oh we, we may have trouble finding people but if they want to look um they're they're out there they're out there in their droves ibm's done a terrific job on on uh, educating that next generation i used to go to a lot of the conferences share tech you yep. um i remember i came back from a share that was in florida and uh there was a, a someone came up to me a systems programmer right and was asking me all these questions and talking about this was during one of the um the idz adfz package uh labs that i used to run um, at those shows and they came up to me afterward and was like, yeah, it's really cool. I I'm really interested because, you know, we're, we're pushing these products at our shop and, um, you know, it, it's great for me as a systems programmer to be able to get hands on and sort of see what they're doing. And it gives me insight and helps me, you know, troubleshoot and keep, keep everybody productive and, and, and enabled on the platform. They were like, oh yeah, I'm 24 years old. And that just blew my mind to think of a, you know, cause when you think of a, a systems programmer, certainly don't think of a 24 year old right like and i'm not i'm not trying to say anything uh, no, by that right. but you know what i mean like you go to crazy. The, share the share conferences leading up to everything before five years ago there were a lot of oldies wandering around but uh but you know you go to share conferences now and and there definitely is the younger generation in um and, and again this comes back to ibm's efforts um training this next generation they've done really well Absolutely. And speaking of training, um, I was actually looking at your uh, mainframe organization chart. Yeah, um, this has been been decades of work. The, the, the business we're in, you know, we're not in the business of training individuals, though the e-learning courses we have, we've got about 250 e-learning courses, so thousands of hours of mainframe and some power content. Um, so it's, it's by far the biggest uh, resource of, of on-demand mainframe training in the world. Um, and, and though individuals do use it, um, especially now that there's credentialing, the business we're in is working with all of the big corporations out there that run mainframes. You know, all of, all of the banking and finance and healthcare and insurance and all of the other companies that run, uh, that run mainframes have a workforce that they need to train. And you can't do that with ad hoc classroom. Um, you need to have that core resource massive resource of of training that's on demand at everyone's fingertips and and last year just cemented that idea i mean people had to do e-learning but just as a general core um this is the way we deliver training to corporations they'll take a license and open up all of these courses to their entire workforce so the next question becomes okay who does what course and that's why we did all of these learning paths, these learning plans for every job role. So whether you're a, a mainframe operator um, and even to levels of experience, whether you're a trainee operator, a senior operator or a system programmer or your, your mainframe security or you're an application development programmer or a database or, or you name it, all of the specialty roles, as you said, um, this gives a nice path that outlines, and again, it's not bits and pieces, 
this outlines a year to two years to three years worth of training. You just work your way. It's a roadmap, if you like, on what courses to do in what order. Now, the corporations can use this as a, again, multi-year long-term training program um, for their personnel, which brings them up to proficiency in that job role. Um, but but even subtleties like uh, if, a, if a mainframe operator wants to become a system programmer in a couple of years, um, you know, and, and is waiting for that next uh, vacancy to come up at their company for a system programmer, well, they'll start working down the system programmer learning path and picking up all those skills and earning all those badges. And when the next opening comes up for a sysprog, they're already with the company and they've done all of this training. So they're just a, a you know, no-brainer for that role. So uh, having it, and again, I think that's why we, we fitted. So there was such synergy between the way we do business and, um, and the IBM Digital Badge Program, you know, and, and again, the way that uh, IBM's doing these connected credentials is just the way we've always done things as well. That's, that's sort of the way we found over 30 years um, that holistically it works best for corporations to do their training. Yeah, that's and and what I'm seeing when you look at schools that actually offer mainframe specialized degrees, right? Um, having that piece of paper, having that that IT degree, while that's that's nice and all, it's not necessarily job specific. So that means that yes, if you hire someone fresh out of college with an IT degree, that's wonderful, but if it's a mainframe shop, you're still they're still going to have to go down a long learning path. So youngsters yeah, will follow those paths. I, I'm finding that uh, that senior mainframers are more interested in earning a badge rather than following a, a you know, a career long path to proficiency. They'll they'll just want to uh, do the the 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 hours depending on what the badge is to uh, to earn a badge, but they're still having that training on demand. And again, last year really proved this uh, because people had time on their hands and wanted to use it productively. But having that on hand means that as as well as junior people, like you mentioned, that are new to their job role, really picking up skills and doing a lot of structured training. Um, senior people are still doing things the way they've done them for years. That's, that's just normal human nature. You know, you'll, you'll use a piece of software the way you've done it for years. And that software in the last two or three updates has added all these new features and functions. And you probably still, most people are still doing things the way they've been doing them for years and they're not using all these new features and functions. So, so for um, a senior mainframer to whip through one of these courses, they know the basics. They'll whip through these things in an hour. They'll spend an hour a week um, going through, but they'll pick up one or two or three new functions that may save them an hour of time every day. You know what I mean? Or, ma or make them more effective or make them, I mean, you're the, you're the DevOps guru, you know, make them work with other parts of the company more effectively because they know something different or, or they've done a course on, um, you know, um, something related, learnt another language or even done a DevOps course. You know, there's DevOps and Agile and, and all sorts of courses like this, project management and these sorts of things. Again, just senior people shouldn't stop learning. And, and I'm a, a, you know, a big evangelist for, for lifelong learning. I mean, this is the way um, the world looks at learning these days. You, you don't stop. Um, um, you don't stop learning at any time in your life, really, and, and you're doing yourself a disservice if you do. And no one expects you to go off to uh, to set courses so much when you're a senior mainframer, but you really should be doing bits and pieces of e-learning um, and uh, and picking up your skills and updating your skills to the latest versions of software and learning about new technologies and how they can fit in with what you do in your normal work. Um, and and I'm I'm on sort of rambling here, but the the e-learning is becoming much more than just. Uh, set classes that you click through and do interactive coding and answer questions and so forth. That's been traditional e-learning. But micro-learning now is a thing that uh, companies are trying to do. Uh, just little snippets, five minutes here, 10 minutes there. Uh, they're starting to uh, use AI to um, work with the learning management systems and figure out um, the same as happens when you're online and you look for a product next next time you go into Amazon, it's telling you that here's here's five of that product. You know what I mean? Um, so so based on what you look at and what courses you've done in the past, um, the AI can 
present you each time you log into your training with courses that are probably going to be relevant based on your job role or based on your interest so that you don't have to go looking for it. It's presenting it. Um, there's, there's companies that have uh, stuff that they're drip feeding out to people's cell phones every day, just little bits of information. We're talking a 10-second read, a five-second read, a one-minute read, but just information on a, a new feature on a piece of software that you're probably going to be using based on your job role or or a, a, a new change to process and procedure. All of this is training, but it's much more palatable. We, we, we all are pretty glued to our smartphones these days and used to just taking in information in the morning with our cup of coffee. Um, training can be part of that. It'll make us more efficient. It'll prevent us from making mistakes. It'll make us work with the organization better. Um, training, is, training is changing and becoming a whole lot smarter. Um, with some of the new technologies and new ways of doing it. And, uh, and you know, we're in a high-tech industry. We're in, you know, mainframers are very, very smart people. Um, so training should definitely keep up with that um, rather than just being traditional old classroom stuff. There's always going to be some of that and conferences, but there's a lot smarter ways of doing it. Excuse the, uh, the duration of my rant. Sorry, I just woke up from a nap. Uh, <laughs> but I... <laughs> The, I, I wanted I wanted to go back and talk about the learning paths, and I, I don't really feel like we did it justice because there's, um, you know, we kind of kind of glossed over it. Uh, there, and you, you know, Darren, you mentioned there are things for. I mean, you've got like application programmer, operator, systems programmer, security, storage. You know, use the 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 professional development. There's even I saw courses on the VSE virtual storage extended and then yeah. blockchain technology. So I mean, there's there's just so much stuff. But I, I'm 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 looking at the learning I'm looking at the learning paths and uh, I, like this is where I don't feel like maybe we did it did it justice. Like if I like if I'm even if I just go into like operations or even applications program. If I look at like tr trainee applications programmer. Uh, it, it's saying that the approximate number of train hours is 298 hours. And so I, I wanted to, I was like thinking, you know, Chris, you mentioned, you know, talking about bachelor's degrees and you know how that's important, you know, um, but you know, the average, the average credits to, to complete a bachelor's degree is 120 hours. But what we, what we, I mean, I, I, the composite, the makeup of that 120 hours, half of that is just your core requirements. So half of that is just like, you know, you know, just, setting the foundation you haven't even gotten to your specialty yet so it's really you're looking at 60 hours of training you know for for you know for instance like an applications program but here we are we're on interskill we're looking at this learning path there's 298 hours i mean this is insane so, so uh, sorry darren go ahead <laughs> no no I, I was i was just going to say that these are these are um sort of industry um standards for those job roles so yeah. all of the training that's involved with those job roles but but it's it's like you know e-learning courses uh, they're like lego blocks you can build yeah. what you know you've got a, a huge array of legos in front of you all, all the dads and mums out there you know you get the kids and and imagine you can make whatever you want so people sure. take our e-learning courses they may do a cut down version of some of these learning plans and make a boot camp yeah. Now they've got a boot camp for these new hire programmers they're hiring or new hire sysprogs or, or operators. Um, and, and it can be, you know, 50 hours or 20 hours or whatever you want to include. So we can completely tailorable. Right. Um, the learning plans you see are also just our um, e-learning courses and our skills assessments that we have. Um, we can, you know, and, and we recommend that our, our clients, the corporations that use this stuff, um, tie in other things as well. So there's, there can be different colored boxes on this roadmap that say um, mentoring. And my God, mentoring is so important. Um, if, if I can take a little side trip here, um, the, the senior mainframers we talked about before with decades of not, not just knowledge, but wisdom and backstory and, and the mainframe culture and, and just hard knocks, you know, learning from having things break and working out how to fix them, all of this stuff that's just going to be lost if they retire. For any organization, that is that is one of their greatest resources is that... Uh, that um, that institutional uh, knowledge. Just that, ca yeah. that um, intellectual... Oh, what's the word? Something capital? Um, intellectual uh, capital, yeah. Intellectual capital, yeah. Um, that, that, that knowledge that's in these people's head is, is a resource of that company and it's hard won and it's hard earned over a lot of years. Yeah. Do not let senior mainframers retire 
without getting them involved in mentoring, coaching and or mentoring uh, for, for years before they retire. Now, senior mainframers are very busy people. Um, you don't want them taking on a training role and, and having to take up a bunch of their time training. But if you say to a senior mainframer, here, here's one or two or however many people um, that we want you to mentor, and the senior mainframer says to those two or however many people, let's, let's say two people are going to mentor, says to those two people, okay, do this e-learning course, this e-learning course, this e-learning course, and then come back and see me in two months when you've finished it. Yeah. And so that person's going to reach out to the mentor in two months and say, okay, I've finished the courses. The mentor can log in and see exactly what they scored on every e-learning module. They can see what areas they had difficulty with, what areas they zoomed through really quickly, mm-hmm. um, any other stuff as well. And when they have their mentoring session, again, one hour every couple of months, there's no senior mainframers that couldn't put that sort of stuff together. Um with no more work, they just meet with them every couple of months and go through what they've learned and then assign them a bunch more e-learning courses and say, come back and see me in a few months when you finish these and we'll yeah. talk about them, you know. And the mentor can then say, okay, read this manual, um, go and talk to Bob or, or Mary about the way this interacts with that, um, you know, talk to Chris about DevOps and how DevOps works with it, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. it's it's passing on you cannot get senior mainframers to do a brain dump and write everything they've learned in a 30-year career into a word document the day before they leave (laughs) and and then and then expect youngsters to read through this word doc and understand much of it this needs to be over multiple years before they retire um without taking too much of their time and again so the the e-learning is like a workhorse it does the bulk of the work and the um the senior mainframers can then just use a minimum amount of time to mentor and pass on that solid gold information and knowledge and wisdom. Um, and then it's not lost to the company. And then the next generation of mainframers know the answer to this stuff instead of projects grinding to a halt or systems crashing or whatever, because that information wasn't passed on. Yeah. So, so right, right. Tying, tying e-learning in with mentoring and coaching, um, tying it in with internal on-the-job training and, and little internal webinars and stuff like that is expected. So that's a long rant around those learning plans. They should include a whole lot of other bits of training. Training shouldn't just be classroom or just sure. learning. It should be blended. That's the industry term. It should be blended learning using using a bunch of different methods um, to uh, to holistically train all of your people. And and it's incredibly low cost. You don't have to pay much for this stuff because a lot of it comes from in-house internal resources and low cost e-learning and so forth. So, yeah. so it's it's very budget friendly. Yeah, I, I think it. I mean, it, it's if for your new. It seems like for your newer uh, mainframers, even if even even your veteran or seasoned ones, you know, like I said, I'm like I'm like I said, I'm looking at this train training applications program or learning path. I mean, there's things in here that you wouldn't naturally associate with mainframer. Maybe you would, like for instance, you know, Linux on Z uh, on IBM Z fundamentals is a five hour course, and then I'm Linux looking is under. So important now. Yeah. And then I'm looking at the analytics. I'm looking at um, big data, Hadoop and analytics, and then there's machine learning and Spark. I mean, those are just, you know, Hadoop and, and Spark. Those are just two things that I, you know, you maybe wouldn't naturally associate with IBM Z. So it's, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. I, I, I can see how like an employer might look at the, you know, might look at these badges and not be able to take, not be able to paint the picture of the learning path. So my question is, you know, you have these learning paths. Are the are the stacked badges or the the stacked system a way of like codifying these learning programs? So that way, when an employer says like, "Hey, you know, it, this is this is a, this is a stacked badge program," they can say like, "Oh, this is this is legitimate. This is a big deal. This isn't just some person who's just you know randomly going out and just yeah. you know badging about, you know." <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Just collecting Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. yeah gotta exactly. catch them all. Yep. <clears throat> Got to. Yeah, I mean, connected credentials is exactly that. And I, and I think as it progresses, again, this is still early days for it um, with IBM, um, but I, I think it's going to focus largely around job roles as we've been discussing, mm-hmm. and it's going to focus around proficiency in that job roles. So rather than it be a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than it be a ZOS credential because you've done a ZOS course, which again is is incredibly powerful and 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 you know, well, well done earning that badge. It shows that you've learned a lot of stuff, um, or or a TSO ISPF, or um, you know, any of these sorts of things. Obviously, I'm talking computer operations at the moment. Um, a certificate would be a 
certificate of computer operations, uh, a certificate of IBM Z computer operators, computer operations. That's easy for me to say. Um, and uh, maybe level one, level two, level three, something like that. So it'll show proficiency in all of the things that are required to be a computer operator up to a certain level. Yeah. So it means that you will learn all about ZOS and and um, you know, ISPF and JCL and, and SDSF and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, that you need to know to be a computer operator. And then you'll get that certificate. So again, it's not topic-based, it's more job role proficiency-based uh, so that when someone earns it, uh, their organization will know, hey, this this person is going to be um, productive and proficient in this job role. And then they'll do the next level uh, certificate for that job role and be well prepared for promotions and and uh, or increased responsibility. Yeah. So, And that's why I really like the idea of these connected credentials or stack credentials. Um, they're, they're, um, they're, I suppose, like again, like degrees from a university or something like that. They show your ability to do a job. They show your proficiency and, and expertise yeah. in, a, in a certain area, like you said, rather than just a, a random array of, uh, <laughs> of badges that you've earned, which, which are still valuable in themselves, but yeah. not, uh, not so much for uh, organizations. It's like the next evolution of badging is the- is it, it really is, yeah. yeah. It's, it's getting smarter. And it, yeah. the, the line is going to blur between, between uh, you know, K through 12 and, and university is going to start doing the same things, you know, the, the days of having a printed piece of paper that you put in a frame over your desk, um, they probably still do it for, for nostalgia, but, but uh, everything's going to be digital credentialing and it'll be tracked back. You know what I mean? You can't forge these things. You can't, can't forge a digital credential because it's all right to the courses that you did and who provided you with the courses and when you did the courses and even to a massively granular level of, of what was included in every single class you took a component of it it's it's going to outline that whole thing so that any potential employer or anyone who's looking at it can see the rigor i suppose the the complexity the rigor the the amount of information that you've learned and what you learned and so forth so it's digital credentialing is going to be all encompassing um the the same as considering how much the whole world lives its life online now um e-learning is just going to start to become more and more and more and i think the the uh, the pandemic's really been a a tipping point. It's really been whatever the word is um, uh, a catalyst for this. I suppose it's going to change university education. Um, there's going to be you know universities have have struggled to have you know they could always make more money. They're a business, uh, but they're limited by the number of people they can have on campus at any one time. Um, so they're starting to do. Uh, University of Phoenix really led the way, but but most universities have an online component now. And I think more and more and more as years go on, people doing university degrees will do, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 percent of their work online and and uh, special projects and other things on campus. It won't yeah. just be a matter of going to school full time anymore. Um, so anyway, again, I'm I'm way off the track as far as no, I don't know. I, concerned, I, but, I think but, it's, all, uh, it's all good stuff. I think that people. Stuff. People probably want to hear you more than us, so this is perfect. What are you most excited about uh, with with Interskill like for twenty twenty one? Are there uh, are there really interesting? I mean, aside from the stack badges, obviously, but are there any interesting courses, IBM Z courses that you're uh, that you're excited about, or you know, any partnerships that you can talk about? Or I mean, you are a uh, three time consecutive IBM champion, so I mean, that's that's already like that's already a great start to the year. Um, but you know, for you personally, but as far as interskill, or you know, what's what ex, what is exciting you, or, or what's what are you and what are you excited for in twenty twenty one? Yeah, we've we've had a we've had a real uh, real leap ourselves this year um, with with uh, mainframe systems training. Um, e learning has always been fantastic because um, you can teach all of the the concepts and the information, and then you can use screen simulation. Um, of, of any um, systems job role, job skills um, to, uh, to simulate it so that people can get hands-on experience in a simulated environment and really start to build up their skills up to more advanced levels. Um, the problem with programming languages, learning a programming language, um, has always been that with, with e-learning, we can always teach the syntax and how to code. COBOL, for example, we can teach you how to code COBOL. Um, and, and 
slightly off the track. Um, that's another reason why a big library of e-learning like this is, is so valuable is that you can't just do a COBOL course and walk into a mainframe shop and know how to program COBOL. You've got to know JCL. You've got to know how to use ISPF or rational developer for, sorry, IBM developer for system Z, not rational anymore. Um, and, and all of the other things around it, you've got to understand the mainframe environment. You've got to understand DevOps and all of these things as well. So there's a, there's a broad pool of knowledge you have to know before you can be a productive programmer, not just learning COBOL syntax. Um, but jumping back to what you asked, uh, with application development programming, we, our e-learning courses could only ever take people so far. They could do some interactive coding, but there's really no substitute for actually coding on a mainframe and compiling and debugging and, you know, you know what I mean? Just that whole process that you go through oh, yeah. um, on a live mainframe. This year, we've or late last year, we've just released uh, hands-on labs. So these are pre-made labs that have an e-learning module that accompanies each one. Um, to act as the instructor and the, the hands-on labs, uh, the mainframe organization just copies these labs. They're already pre-prepared, copies them into a training sandbox on their mainframe, um, just a petitioned area where people can play. And most, I don't know any mainframe orgs that don't have sandboxes. Um, and um, so the, uh, the people can finish the e-learning courses that teach them all the syntax, again, for example, the COBOL, um, and then they can go in and have these mini instructor modules lead them through these hands-on uh, projects uh, in the sandbox. So it's coding COBOL, it's compiling COBOL, it's debugging COBOL, it's it's getting that hands-on practice that really takes them up to the next level. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and, and again, senior mainframers, mainframe managers don't have the time to to set these things up for their personnel um, for in-house training and it's expensive to send them off to class. And obviously last year it was incredibly difficult with the pandemic and everything, and that'll continue into this year. Um, but uh, but these things are that next level of, uh, of training for uh, for programmers and, and a lot of system stuff as well. There's, there's really no substitute for that advanced uh, hands-on practicing on a mainframe in a, in a secure yeah. place. So, so these, uh, these um, mainframe sandbox exercises, these labs are added into our curriculum this year. And okay. uh, it's, it's been amazing, the uptake um, companies are <laughs> doing, doing little dances of uh, yeah. little dances of joy, like, wow, this really solves a problem that, that we've had. <laughs> Um, and, it, and it's all included. So, uh, so we've got a lot of happy clients at the moment and, and uh, we're telling a lot of people that story. So thank you. Thank you for asking too. I don't yeah, that's awesome. I want to make this uh, podcast about training in general and IBM's badges, not so much about interskill. I don't want to tread on your toes, but. but no, I mean, there's, a, there's such a deep. There's, next step. So. Yeah, there's such a deep partnership there. So, I mean, it just makes sense that, you know, we might blur the line. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to my nap now. Chris. <laughs> no, no, I, Darren, thanks for, thanks for taking the time. I mean, this is, uh, it was, it was, you know, the, the, it was our LinkedIn connection that led us to conducting this, uh, podcast recording. So, you know, thank you for accepting my invite and, uh, <laughs> you know, going from there. So this is, this is great. So, uh, I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know, you know, you're a busy, busy person. So, <laughs> Uh, less so myself and Chris, I think. But, uh. <laughs> oh, this, is, this has been fantastic. I've listened to a bunch of your other podcasts and they're, they're really very well done. So so hats off to you guys. Thank you for the invite. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for being our guest.